favorite neighbors. This is sis. This is squirt. Seasons have changed. Yes, and summer. Yay, fall. Yeah, summer is over and fall has begun. And so with uh, the change of the seasons, I kind of want to do a little recap on our summer season shows and the new ones and the old ones and kind of where they went and how much we loved slash hated them. So um, one of the ones that just recently ended uh, last week and we just found out they're only coming with one more season is Eureka, Mm. which was a summer show to begin with. Like Mm -hmm. it was a summer season show to start off with and it's went strong for four years and this is the end of its fourth season. I um I think it's the end of its fifth season. No, this is season four right now. Are you sure? Yeah. Okay. Um, and because I was reading the blurb and it says season four ends with. <laughs> okay. Good to know. All right. Awesome. <laughs> and then so I think the final season will be season five, which okay. is what they've already filmed and this with the th- Christmas episode. I'm trying to think about the whole entire season because. Unfortunately or fortunately, who knows, we watched Eureka like two episodes at a time because mm-hmm. we recorded it on DVR, but we didn't watch it consistently every Monday night because Mondays are just hard. Yeah. But, you know, with with this new season, they're in the new timeline. Everybody kind of is, is figuring out their new roles. And I thought they dealt with it pretty well. I feel like for a minute they... Not that they didn't know where it was going, but I feel it really didn't pick up speed. And I feel like this didn't start in the very beginning until they decided to make this mission to Titan. Wasn't that... Wait, 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 wait. Wasn't that the first episode where Zane and Fargo accidentally launched themselves? Was that the first episode of the season? And then remember. they realized that the FTL drive works, and but they need the boson catcher. And then they go, okay, the FTL drive works. We can go to Titan. Possibly. I feel like it's two or three episodes in that they start the Titan stuff, but maybe I'm wrong. No, I think you're right. I just think, I mean, just backing up a little Uh bit, Eureka went through that weird, Mm -hmm. I'm going to just consider the third season a big misstep, where they they switched timelines Mm -hmm. and they were in the past Mm -hmm. and then they were trying to get forward Mm -hmm. and then the Beverly thing and Mm -hmm. none of it made a damn bit of sense. Beverly was this season. But Beverly was in the alternate timeline, too. Because, Only at the very end. Well, yeah, but it yeah. still didn't make any sense. Yeah. And then they got back, and they, the thing that they realized was different was Archimedes' statue, right? Mm-hmm. It was bronze instead of silver or something like that. That was Yeah, that was how they knew they were in the... They were in this timeline. Mm-hmm. But I still feel there was like a group of episodes right after that where they were trying to figure out what was different about that timeline and they realized that Henry was married Mm -hmm. and that Joe or that Fargo was the head of GD Mm -hmm. and that was like the first episode of this season Mm -hmm. because I feel that okay I felt that had actually been established prior I'm not anti time travel scenarios but in in my frame of mind like I feel like if you're gonna move people through time and have them be confused and establish it. It's like, as a viewer, you became attached to that person and whatever the other timeline was, and you constantly want them to get back there. Like, when they yeah. when they were in the 40s, and then when they were... I feel like they were in the 40s, and they, got, and they were stuck there, and then they got pushed back to this timeline, or a different timeline. Maybe this is the second one they've jumped to. Because they came back to modern times, and what's his face the smoking doctor that called everybody doll still existed 
Yes. Okay. So that's how the the forties season mm-hmm. sort of yes, and in that they realized that Henry was still married. Yeah. Okay. And, so that wasn't yeah, this season. Sorry. Yeah. And but, then this season started with something different. Yeah. Um, with Felicia Day, I feel. Yeah. Um, but anyway, like any anywho, whenever that happens, like as a viewer, I constantly want them to get back to the timeline that they started with when I started the show. Mm-hmm. So I have to give Eureka writers or whatnot props because they managed to, maybe it took them half a season, but they managed to make me comfortable in this timeline. They've stopped, obviously, trying to get back to where they were because they, you know, they, they, the characters came to terms with it. Mm-hmm. Like, they were all nervous about the DOD protocol and getting caught because they would have to be quarantined and all that type of stuff. But then they figured out their way around that. Mm-hmm. And, you know, Allison was very happy with it because her son's no longer autistic. Right. But, like, it's like the way the character, when the characters became comfortable in that timeline, so did I as a viewer. But I've never experienced that on any other show. Like, I stopped watching Fringe, but part of it was my frustration because I wanted the right Olivia to get back to the right timeline. (laughs) You know, just do it. And I I couldn't stand, like, not knowing if it was going to happen and constantly wanting that. So that's part of what I liked about it. Yes, Eureka is that like at the end of this finale, I felt like I was in the right timeline, even though I know, <laughs> yeah, that, that it's there's not this other, yeah, it's not the right one. So I give them mad, I give the writers mad props for that. The timeline switching thing, <laughs> I think they dealt with it in the sci-fi way, which is they answered all the questions they needed to answer to keep the show moving and didn't answer any of the other ones, <laughs> even if they were sort of just like hanging out there with big flashing signs saying, what the hell? <laughs> so they, you know, they did as much as they needed to do to reestablish these characters, but... I still had the issue. I think I told you about this. I was like, so they jumped into this timeline, Mm -hmm. these characters. Mm -hmm. Where are their, this timeline Mm -hmm. counterparts? Yeah. And, uh, you know, do they just zap out of existence Mm -hmm. because, you know, are they replaced? Mm -hmm. Are are they floating out in some time? I get you. Uh You know, and they they just sort of left that. Mm Mm-hmm. And I'm not that person that goes, can Superman ever have kids or wouldn't his sperm just annihilate loads? No, mm-hmm. I really don't care. Mm-hmm. But that one was just sort of like, there were people there. Mm-hmm. And, you know, these new people came in and disrupted it. Mm-hmm. What does that mean? Mm-hmm. And I was actually thinking about that the other day. The timeline shift allowed them to make some of the character changes that were needed to keep the series growing in that you could make Fargo not to screw up all the time. <laughs> or you could give Joe a softer side mm-hmm. or a more introspective side. You could make Allison and Carter get together mm-hmm. because they have to confront their feelings because in this timeline, everybody thinks they're together. You could give Hem- Henry something else to do besides be the mechanic. Mm-hmm. But it was necessary for them to do that. And I actually think that to that end, the timeline shift was a really good way to to move that story forward mm-hmm. rather than just saying it is different. Yeah. But it also leaves off like there were I mean, early Eureka, Henry was still mourning the loss of his love. You know, mm-hmm. it, there's all these like tangential storylines that people have sort of forgotten. Taggart, mm-hmm. you know, is just sort of in and out mm-hmm. and all about Zoe. Mm-hmm. is a little like the Eureka High, the Tesla High. Mm-hmm. 
all of that sort of, and even Kevin's autism mm-hmm. or the artifact or all that stuff yeah. from before. Yeah. It's just sort of like, forget we even started those yeah. <laughs> or pretend that when we ended those on that cliffhanger with that unanswered question, those were done, mm-hmm. you know, but we answer- well, we moved timelines. So it's been answered. Right. So, <laughs> yeah. So you don't have to think about those anymore because those didn't occur in this timeline. And mm-hmm. I'm, and I don't mean to say that in that I don't love the show. I really, mm-hmm. really, really do love the show. Mm-hmm. The thing about it is Eureka is really, really smart. But it also, it treats its audience wisely, but gives enough information so that anyone can be in on the joke without mm-hmm. talking down to it. I, and it's a really delicate line that it walks. Yeah. And I feel on this one, they were just like, just trust us on this. Just go with us. <laughs> and, you know, just go with us and you'll know a little bit, but we'll, we're not going to deal with that other stuff, mainly because we don't know how. So I'm kind of looking forward to and excited for this last season. I mean, they left it on a cliffhanger. It can go anywhere. I hope to God it doesn't go to another timeline. I was nicely entertained. It was a good standard summer show. And I don't know. I Like I said, I'm looking forward to the fifth season. I don't know what's going to replace it, you know, when the summer shows start again. But it was definitely, I feel like it was the epitome of what I feel the summer season was for. I remember the ad campaigns for it. Yeah, they. Um, I re- the one I distinctly remember was it was a mock up of the Home Shopping Network, and they were selling like, well, I can't remember what it was, but something completely fantastical, like a completely real live looking mechanical dog or something like that. That wasn't like your typical robot dog, but like a real looks like a real dog, but it's a robot or something. And it's like you can buy it for the easy price of nine ninety nine here in Eureka, and you're kind of like, what? And then, and then I think maybe they had sold something like a rocket to the moon. Mm-hmm. And I was like, that's so weird. And I was, I'm intrigued. And then when I watched it, I was like, this show is funny and amusing and a little bit too smart for normal TV. Mm-hmm. Like, and I feel like if it had been on network TV, people wouldn't have given it a chance. Because they were like, I don't, you know, it's too sci-fi. I don't get all this craziness. I don't know what they're talking about with rocket science and all this stuff. Like, I mean, and I personally don't think it requires, obviously it's television, so it doesn't require that much of a mental capacity. But it doesn't require any more, like, intelligence, what you need to watch CSI. Right. You know, I mean, they explain the science or the fake science or the theoretical science to you as the episode goes but I could just totally see that like if this had been on standard like Fox or NBC lineup like up against Desperate Housewives it wouldn't have made it but because it was a summer show and it was different and that's what you expect from your summer season it's it's like Eureka is my summer season bellwether yeah I also think what Eureka did really really well just so many Mm -hmm. points that it did really well at all Diversity in the cast mm-hmm. from the get-go. Mm-hmm. No explanation. Mm-hmm. No, re- nothing required. It mm-hmm. just was. Mm-hmm. And it gave us, in the intro character, someone who was us. Mm-hmm. Someone who was the audience that yeah. did not understand thermodynamics. Mm-hmm. That mm-hmm. did not understand theoretical physics. Mm-hmm. You know? And he was funny. Yeah. You know, he was funny about it. He was like, why can't you just say black hole? <laughs> you know, and you, you know, you Instead as the audience were going, singular. yeah, I kind of wish you had too. Mm-hmm. And, and Colin Ferguson, don't get me wrong. Awesome. And I think he actually sort of 
doesn't always get his due because it either looks easy and of course it can't possibly be and he does a lot of physical comedy mm-hmm. like I'm, I'm distinctly remembering the um the episode where they had increased gravity yes and he's like <laughs> and you you know you watch it and you're just like oh of course he's being thrown down don't you see the waves and then you like you wait and you're like there's nothing there he was just told fall on the ground or <laughs> pretend like you can't move and he he does it so well and he you know you're totally in it when you're watching it and it's funny mm-hmm. you know like I just really think that it is one of those great mixes of smart show good writers mm-hmm. lots of love in the creation team and in the writing team because they under like even the the music episode mm-hmm. you know yes. like you knew they had fun yes. writing that episode because yes. they were just like absolutely absolutely mm-hmm. um and just totally tuned into their audience and this was just a show for people who love pop culture and science mm-hmm. pretty much and it just it worked and it, i actually would say it's kind of similar to chuck mm-hmm. in that it's probably a show created by what would be quote unquote nerds mm-hmm. right but because nerd is such a universal term and as glenn weldon always says nerd is nerd mm-hmm. so you can be a nerd about all sorts of things not mm-hmm. just like dungeons and dragons mm-hmm. or call of duty but you can be a nerd about so many things that you get five nerds together and they all write for tv and you could create something awesome that has nothing to do with Dungeons and Dragons. Mm -hmm. You know, it's Eureka or it's Chuck, Mm -hmm. which has such universal appeal, Mm -hmm. but it's from the nerds and it's just, it's a labor of love. It's a, this is the show we would love to see on TV. Mm -hmm. And you kind of, you always felt that in Eureka from the beginning. Yeah, definitely. You definitely felt at least that like, I hope that they had fun making it, Mm -hmm. you know, like that they actually liked to be there on the set and that always comes through when yeah. um when you watch the show and besides and this is kind of what i was saying a backlash on a summer show that we just let fall off alphas is that like you know when we first kind of talked about alphas we said look it doesn't look like anybody there enjoys the fact that they have these extra powers it was like part of the fun was your with eureka is that all of the craziness that happens is unintentional, but it's because the character who does it is so excited and zealous about their work. Like, hardly anything ever happens in Eureka that's sinister. Yes. Like, legitimately sinister, mm-hmm. except for when they had, like, the Beverly character. Like, there's one, generally one kind of villain. Mm-hmm. But, like, you know, most of the stuff that happens is not sinister. It's a mistake. Right. Because... Some scientist was extremely overzealous and something reacted with something else. Mm-hmm. But and, and that's kind of nice that you're not always looking for a villain. Or if it is a villain, it's not necessarily for greed yeah. or, or, or personal um, gain or power. It's like, I, you know, I want to create the biggest sun in the world. And right, you're like, right. that's stupid. Right. Um, but and we, you know, and we get it and we'll, you know, lock you up for it. Or it's like, you know, I wanted to hack into NASA, not to steal anything, just to show I could hack into NASA. Yeah. And 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 that's it's a little refreshing that your criminals not saying that they don't. They do have the sinister criminal line that they do filter in. Um they filtered into a couple shows. Yeah. There was that yeah, the big one with um Beverly in the beginning with the artifact and then there was a sinister one with Henry's um, other Asian girlfriend Mm -hmm. and uh, but in fairness that's sort of like 
geek science villainy. Yeah. Like our geek, you know, the geek science villainy is I want to grow the biggest orchid mm-hmm. and be damned what it takes and who it steals from or mm-hmm. what effect that will have on the biosphere. Like we don't, as a scientist, we don't do things for to be mean. We just really want to see if this will work. Mm-hmm. And we, but we can be sometimes absent-minded about the, like the effect that it will have. Mm-hmm. And that's a lot of the fun from Eureka. Yeah. So that, oh, I love it. I'm so upset about it going into its final season. I yeah. can't even begin. Yeah. But. And I, and I, unfortunately though, at least based on, just based on Twitter feeds, I really haven't read that much about it going to a final season. I don't know if they knew they like didn't. it was going to be until probably the last few episodes. Yeah, they and, found out while they were filming. Yeah, so that's what's unfortunate for me is that like I feel maybe they didn't necessarily have the time to wrap it up necessarily the way they wanted to. Like it's like we're moving along, we're building our story plot. We got, you know, a good 20 more episodes to finish the story plot and then suddenly you figure out you have 3. Mm-hmm. You know, and so like the last 3 episodes are just everything that they needed to do or they just let things go. Yeah. Um, which is unfortunate. Oh, one more thing about Eureka, which you and I noticed towards the latter seasons, but probably did occur in earlier seasons, which is women writers. Mm-hmm. They have a woman. I know at least one of the producers or executive producers is a female. Mm-hmm. And for a few of the episodes, they allowed um, Sally Richardson Whitfield to direct. Mm-hmm. Um, and just, as you and I have mentioned, it makes all the difference. It does. I mean, even for a show as awesome as Eureka, mm-hmm. um, which I continue to say that it's awesome because I discovered it without you having to tell me about it. So I consider it. It's, <laughs> You're like, so, the one show I got right. The one win I had. Um, <laughs> so, uh, But even a show as awesome as that, a female writer, those episodes still hit home. Mm-hmm. And those episodes still had something that the other ones didn't. Mm-hmm. And I, I also agree that probably part of why I feel it is so awesome are the female writers and the female producers. And I think one of the creators is a female. I can't be certain. Mm-hmm. Um, but just it's it's just a really awesome show. But it I think it'll actually thrive on DVD, to be perfectly honest. Mm-hmm. And if sci-fi got its head out of its ass, and yes, I'm going to say that, mm-hmm. um, they would do really well to keep it in reruns. Mm-hmm. Uh, it is such a strong show, but it is also episodic. Yeah. That it is what sci-fi should be. Yeah. And if sci-fi doesn't get its head out of its ass, and yes, I said it again, then whatever network wants these fans, and these fans, you and I, mm-hmm. these fans we are loyal. Mm-hmm. We like all the merchandise. Mm-hmm. You know, like the Tesla High t-shirt. Mm-hmm. We'll buy that. Mm-hmm. You know, so whichever network wants those fans that they can market to. I mean, hell, when season two, when Eureka was doing like that, that, um, that degree ad. Remember they, mm-hmm. they were holding yeah. all that together? Yeah. I can imagine that degree sales went through the roof. Yeah. So some network needs to pick this up, this show up. And you know what would be awesome? If they ran it right next to Chuck. (laughs) And then you would have a lock-solid two-hour dedicated fan base. (laughs) And you would just be able to run these in reruns. You wouldn't even have to pay for production costs anymore. But just run them in reruns, and you would have fans. Add Buffy to the mix, you're golden. (laughs) No, I'm not even... Well, I mean, I didn't... No, I'm just saying. If you add that... 
But yeah, but like, yeah. just take these like gem shows mm-hmm. that networks have tossed aside, mm-hmm. and just be like, look, you all wanted to see them. Networks ended them. We can pick them up for pre-production. We'll just run them in reruns. Mm-hmm. You would be golden. Yeah. I'm just saying that now. All right. All right, now I'm done with Eureka. I, I can move on. Okay. So there are a lot of authors that I really, really like. And I guess like a few months ago, I put a few of them on my Facebook page as liked. And so now I can see their feeds when they um, put up uh, recommendations. And some of these are romance authors. And they've started this sort of like romance recommendation Mondays or something like that, <laughs> where the authors that write romance novels that I like recommend other authors that they like um, and books that they like. Mm-hmm. And it sort of sets up this really weird problem because it's a little bit of pulling back the curtain. A lot of these authors, I love their books and I kind of wish I could write books to that end. In hearing them talk about other authors, it's sort of pulling back the curtain going, oh, these are the people that inspire them to write. And I just recently finished one of the ones that was a recommendation and it was awful. Hmm. And it was really, re- I mean... N- Awful's maybe not the right word. And one of the things that I will always keep me in a book is if the female is like witty or, um, oh God, what's the word I'm looking for? Like adaptive? No. What's the word I'm looking for? Mm-hmm. Um, oh, plucky, you know, sassy. Plucky, sassy, but also like takes whatever's thrown at her and makes something really good. Mm-hmm. I can't think of the word, right. but, um, and if the if there's like witty banter and just smart people and smart and funny situations and these authors or at least the few that i tagged um on facebook all really write heroines like that and heroes mm-hmm. like that and situations like that and they're just very very fun to read they're very entertaining mm-hmm. but if you look at the story well, at least this one story that was recommended through this thing the story to read and they were all like oh I love this book or this part made me laugh so much and I got to that part in the book and I was like why Mm. this part is just awful and I feel it's a little similar to pulling back the curtain on um, celebrities or writers or directors the same way because okay Kevin Smith is obviously one of the directors and writers that I really really like Mm -hmm. he's made recommendations of other movies that he's watched or liked watching or you know thought were really pivotal but if you go to watch those you're just like why what was it that made this work for you it's it's sometimes really unsatisfying to come across something that somebody likes that you just don't get or don't like am I making any sense maybe it's a little bit of managing your expectations like if you hadn't known that these books were recommended by these authors would you have thought they were as bad as you thought they were yes okay. well at least this one yes I and it was the book like not you know sometimes everyone writes a dud so, like, was this the book that the author said to read by yes, this author? Yes, this is the one that the author that I liked said, oh, my God, this book made me laugh so hard. You know, this is a great book. Read it. You won't regret it. It was And you couldn't book. see at all how this person found it amusing? Not, oh, not like, I mean, not even at all. Like, sometimes you're like, oh, I guess if you're into that type of humor, I could see where you'd find this funny. But you were like, this isn't even a funny scene. I mean, maybe, but, like, I'm thinking about the types of characters that this author writes, you know, like the author that made the recommendation. Mm -hmm. She writes these 
fabulously witty, fabulously strong, adaptive. Mm-hmm. Did I already say adaptive? You tried adaptive and you said that wasn't the right word. Yeah, but mm-hmm. like just really good characters that but then like the characters in this book were whiny and sort of like always questioning and man alive did they have so many secrets and backstories and things they were hiding that it was so convoluted but I didn't even care about the convolutions because I didn't care about the characters because mm-hmm. they didn't seem like a really good use of my time yeah. um, and so I really did what I consider to be the cardinal sin in a book which is I got to like chapter five or something mm-hmm. and then I just flipped to the end mm. and I never do that like I will sit through a mm-hmm. really god awful book like Girl with the Dragon Tattoo well, I didn't read that one I at did. all. But, you know, mm-hmm. because, I don't know, for some reason, it's like book purity. Like, you have mm-hmm. to go through the whole thing, mm-hmm. you know? And I was just like, look, I'm either going to stop reading it now and just put it down and say to hell with it. Mm-hmm. Or I'm just going to flip to the end, find out, of course, that they got together, mm-hmm. and then put it down and say to hell with it. Mm-hmm. But I was just, I was very much like, I don't really want to spend any more time with these characters and in this world. And it sort of made me question the author the author who made the recommendation i was like why what was it about this because all of the author's books and the problem the reason i keep saying the author is i can't remember exactly which one (laughs) told me to Mm -hmm. to read it i think it's essentially it's between like four authors that i liked on facebook Mm -hmm. and all of them write these really fun stories Mm -hmm. and so i can't i can't see how they would have thought this was a good book or a good story given what they usually create. Well, you can just, I would say, chalk it up to, um, what does I want to say, the student surpassing the teacher. Like, whatever it is, they input what you consider crap. Mm -hmm. And then they, because they're some of your favorite authors, manage to, through their art, turn whatever it is they heard mixed with whatever's in their head to spit out these fantastic books that you like and just leave it at that. Yeah. Like, you know, I mean, not everyone can be genius. If what they got was quality, then their quality would maybe be a little bit better. Yeah. (laughs) But like, you know, you could just say like this is, they mix that with this and they come up with something good. But that on its own is crap and that on its own is crap. But when you mix it with the author's talent, yeah, they... But it's, a, you know, it, it sort of brought up the bigger picture, which is, and we sort of talked about this on the blog, but um, when they're like from the writers of, or from the director uh, of, yeah. or from the studio of, mm-hmm. which is one side of it. But then there's the other side of it where, and th- I haven't seen this lately, but I remember this in like the mid aughts mm-hmm. where just celebrities were making recommendations for mm-hmm. other music, other movies, mm-hmm. other whatevers, and you essentially the the thrust of the recommendation was if you like me you will like this Mm -hmm. and you know a lot of times it was like ads and sponsors and whatnot Mm -hmm. in their restaurants but for 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 some celebrities they actually really did take it seriously Mm -hmm. and you know what ew still does this because they were like what's playing on your ipod it sort of pulls back the curtain it's Mm -hmm. like i like you celebrity x Mm -hmm. Um, and I want to know what inspires you. I want to know what drives you. I want to mm-hmm. know what music you listen to when you go home and you have to de-stress. Mm-hmm. And then I find out mm-hmm. that when you go home, you listen to like gin blossoms or mm-hmm. something like that. 
And I've never heard of the gin blossoms. And this is all hypothetical. Mm-hmm. And I go and listen to it, and I'm like, what the hell? Mm-hmm. Or, you know, I hear that you go home and you listen to, I don't know, like the the monks, mm-hmm. you know? And I'm like, I don't, what? I don't get it. Why would you even... I don't know if my issue is, like, accessibility. I don't know if they think it says something about them. I also don't know if they're being legitimate when they say it. You know, maybe that's mm-hmm. the bigger issue. In oh, it's that. like people say, what are your inspirations? Like, for the longest time, do you remember this? Like, for all musicians, what's your information? Michael Jackson. And you're like, Michael Jackson is not a genre of music. <laughs> but they were like, you know, I'm inspired by the blues, rock and roll, and Michael Jackson. Like, Every artist in the 90s was like, I'm inspired by Michael Jackson. And you're kind of like, really? Or is that something that you feel you should say? Because like you have to say. Because yeah. it makes sense for your music and it makes it sound more It makes more sense legit. for your audience, but it's yeah. not true to you. Yeah. And it's, I don't, I... But in all fairness, even though Michael Jackson is not a genre, he created such great work that probably everybody has a favorite slash inspirational Michael Jackson song. Yeah, but it's more but, like, I don't know, I guess, I, I'm not really being clear, and I, I know I'm like sort of hedging around everything, but we'll just cut these parts out. But it's like, when you are as, I feel, entrenched in pop culture as mm-hmm. you and I are, mm-hmm. you know, you or at least I usually do, I want to find out all the parts of it. Mm -hmm. Like, I'm that kid who wants to know the shooting schedule Mm -hmm. because I'm curious as to when they shot certain scenes Mm -hmm. and, like, trying to... I I still do this, like, when I'm watching a TV show or if I'm watching, like, a rerun of a TV show. I'll look at, like, and and having known the storyline, I'll look at the scenes and go, you know what, they probably shot this scene first and then two days later they shot this scene because Mm -hmm. it was all the same location and all that stuff. Like, I'm that kid. Mm -hmm. So... I want to know the shooting schedule. I want to know the locations, like where they go. Did they actually shoot it in L.A. or did they shoot it in Georgia and they're pretending like it's L.A. or did Mm -hmm. they shoot it in L.A. pretending like it's Georgia? Mm -hmm. And I also want to know like when the author got the script or not when the author, when the actor got the script or when the creator was writing the script, what were they thinking about? Mm -hmm. Other than just we have to write a script and for the actors, we have to shoot it, Mm -hmm. you know, but like what inspired them, what pushed them? And if they're being honest, which I never know if an actor or an actress Mm -hmm. really is being honest in, you know, the interviews. But if they're being honest, I want to be able to like put those pieces in so that I get a really sort of complex, omniscient overview of what went into this yeah but you can't you can do that but you can't judge like i mean if for but whatever it's not even reason judging it, it just is, doesn't even make sense no to you it doesn't make sense but to them it does and you can't you can't judge that i'm sure that there are connections that we draw for things that people are going to be like i don't know like randomness but let's just say chanting monks makes you think of Grease, the movie. Mm-hmm. And so, like, in order for you to get into your role of playing Danny Zuko, you have to listen to Chanting Monks. Now, uh, uh, someone else would be like, how the heck do Chanting Monks get this person ready for playing Danny Zuko? And it could be something in their lives that made that connection that they don't have to explain to you and it doesn't make perfect sense. Like, what would make a little bit more sense would be if the guy listened to Chubby Checkers or something. or Checker. 
checker, excuse me, or other some type of doo-wop or rockabilly or something to get him in the mood. But for whatever reason, the actor has to listen to the chanting monks. But and then boom. I want him to tell me why. Or well, I want her to tell me why. That's, because that's even more interesting. Well, then you just need to be a reporter and go ask <laughs> no, them. And say, previously you stated that chanting monks gets you excited for this role you have to play. Can you tell us why? But yeah. if the reporter doesn't ask, then they're not going to come out with that, especially in a 30-minute or 30-second spot on the CW or whatever. Right, right, of course. I'm thinking more like print interviews where, like, yeah. it's written down. Or, and, you know, the, even because I was just flipping past it the other day, even EW, it's like, what are the last five songs played on your iPod? And of course, they're never the last five songs because mm-hmm. probably there's, like, a few they can't write up that the person was listening to. Mm-hmm. But, you know, and then the actor is supposed to explain like why they like it or whatever. Mm-hmm. But I just want them to, I want, I want that explanation. Mm-hmm. And I, I do, I want it to fit in because to me, that's so very interesting. Yeah, it is. But the thing is that you're, I feel like you're asking for too much information or you're asking the wrong questions. I mean, if the author, it's a push pull. If the author never gave you the list of people that inspired them to write. Yes. Then you wouldn't have these questions. True. So just say, okay, great, they gave me this list. And so you, you know, you they gave you an inch and you want a mile. Like, if they take the time to explain, like, this is why because of the birth of this character or because this character fell off of a horse, this scene was so pivotal to me and inspired me to write this whole entire book about a character that came back from an injury. That has nothing to do with a horse. Yeah. Like, just, but you don't know that. Yeah. Because they didn't draw the lines for you. But, like... They also don't have to. <laughs> yeah, I, I hear what you're saying. You're right. You I, know, could, I could see that. I'm a little bit of a get over it. Like, they gave you the books that inspired them, and you don't like them, so. Wow, thank you. <laughs> but, okay, not for nothing, in my defense, this author did. She said, the proposal scene in this, bo- in this book was the funniest one I had ever read. Mm-hmm. And I read the proposal scene, and it was one of the boringest proposal scenes I've ever read. Okay. And so, I just, there's a disconnect. and I, But I, I do, well, not the get off the stop complaining thing, that's just mean. <laughs> but, like, the rest of it, I do, I do get, you're right, that... I just need to, but I just wish they would say it. They would say what it was about it. Like I have a lot of movies that people are like, why do you like that? And I can pinpoint why I like it, or I can pinpoint why, you know, it was important to me at the time, even Mm. though it wasn't a blockbuster or a movie that anybody gives any credit to or Mm. music Mm. that anybody gives any credit to. Like it, you know, like it, it encapsulated a, mo- a mood or it encapsulated a moment or it was playing when, mm-hmm. you know, I was in this class and it was really hard and I played it all the time. And mm-hmm. so it made, you know, like I can verbalize that and maybe mm-hmm. I'm more introspective than other people, but I would hope I'm not as more introspective than the authors that I read. But anyway, we could probably move on past there. All right. If you want to continue any of the conversations that we've started here, you can follow us at My Fave Neighbors on Twitter or through our blog, which is myfavoriteneighbors.blogspot.com. This is Sis. And this is Squirt. Thanks for stopping by. You'll You'll know us when when you see us. us.